This is the Cabinet's HR Culture Podcast, hosted by Daniela Young. Join Daniela as she has great conversations with people on the importance of culture and leadership in organizational behavior. You will hear the great, the bad, and the ugly as she talks to a huge variety of guests in different fields. Are you looking for ways to improve your culture? Then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinet's HR Podcast is brought to you by Cabinet's HR. At Cabinet's HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Come to CabinetsHR.com to see how Cabinet's HR can take care of your HR so you can focus on building your company and taking care of your customers. Remember to be great every day. Hi, this is the Cabinet's HR podcast, and I'm your host, Danielle Young. Our guest today is my friend, Dr. Crystal White. Dr. White, are you ready to be great today? Always. Dr. Crystal White is a leadership psychologist that improves the performance of organizations, teams, and individuals. She facilitates programs that raise the efficiency of leaders, assesses and enhances team dynamics, and is a motivational speaker, coach, and consultant for forward-leaning transformational corporations. So Dr. White, tell us something that you're working on right now that is super exciting to you. I love that you asked if I was ready because I have a program called Ready. And it really is to help leaders be more self-aware of their biggest blind spots and some of their biggest assets and then manage their behavior for an outward gain. So that's one cool thing that I'm working on is like this leadership development program. And the second is I've designed a 40-hour frontline supervisor, manager, leader program. And that is... Because what we know about engagement in a culture is mitigated by leader efficiency and technical skills. Most leaders actually are really good and managers are awesome at their technical aspects of their job. And so engagement frequently isn't about raising their technical skills, uh, but that's where we put most time reward, emphasis, resources towards. It's the other part, which is how well are they, how capable are they at inspiring other people to influence one another and how good are they at the people dynamics. And so I have a 40-hour, 10-session developmental program to raise the managerial leadership skills of an organization. So I'm really excited because I'm working on that and selling that and going around to find an organization that wants to invest in their frontline supervisors. Nice, nice. And I love how on your Ready program, you talked about, you know, essentially meeting leaders where they're at. I forget your exact wording, but leading, yeah. meeting leaders where they're at and learning their assets and also their areas that are problematic versus sometimes I think we see you know, this is the way to be a leader books, right? That are like, this is how you should act. Everything else is wrong. You're, you're very much different from that. Yeah. I have never learned based on a formula, like no formula from cooking to learning how to play the guitar to raising, uh, you know, the, the, this frontline supervisor program up in the last organization that I served in. It's never formulaic. And that's good for me because I'm a fast-paced, hyperactive, on-the-go 
type of individual. Um, so everything that I know about how people development is that we need to inspire them to be alive to their personal experience and meet them there versus telling them where they should be. Because if we are not present with ourselves or other people, then we're really missing an opportunity to leverage their talents. Yeah, so true, so true. Um, and okay, because you mentioned frontline leaders, can you tell us a bit about your work with, you've done some work with the military, some kind of yeah. special operations, right? <laughs> what can you I, tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, that everybody's special and everybody's not special all at the same time, right? It's so fascinating how we're all different. And yet when you peel back the onion and you go deeper and deeper, and deeper, we all need the essential same things. And this program really is about tapping into your own passion, discovering your purpose, and understanding how other people aren't thinking your thoughts. Like you're the only one right now. I'm the only one now. Thank God. Thank God I'm the only one thinking my thoughts. Um, but we just do a really bad job at peeling away those layers and going down to the core and then leading from there versus this facade that we becoming used to or were trained to present. So the frontline leadership development program is getting people to be more understanding of who they are at their core. And then how do you build the skills to truly understand other people at their core? And not the fake stuff on the surface, but listening deeply to you and others co-jointly. And that typically inspires connectivity in a way that is genuine and productive and healing, to be honest. Like when you meet somebody that you're truly connected with, it's healing, right? You want oh, yeah. more of it. Oh, yeah. And conversations, yeah. conversations and connection. I think that's what, you know, one of the things that human beings just need at every level. Yeah. Um, no matter what organization you go into, you find that. Sure. And it's a conversation that gets to the real deal. And not the superficial fluff that we always are talking about, right? Your conversation is the relationship, truly. Like if you look at how people talk and what they talk about and what they don't talk about, like what's not okay for us to talk about, it really can uncover you know, some of their dynamics that are keeping them stuck. So the Frontline program really is developmental. It's not 40 hours in one week. It is... 40 hours spread over 10 weeks. And then we do a reassessment after three months to see if the skills that they were learning in the program actually translated into behavioral results in the teams that they lead. And, uh, and then do a return of investment on that. Like do their subordinates and do their managers and do they feel like the program was foundational in, in helping them learn and then also apply these skills. So that's kind of what Frontline does. It brings that program into the organization. So it makes it accessible and salient and then applicable to real life managerial behavioral people interactions. Yeah, the you know, the data and the follow-up I think is so important in that. And we actually our last interview was with a 
guy that company that does data metrics for culture. And mm-hmm. so, you know, our listeners will have heard about us discussing this. And I think you're talking, an, you know, an interesting counterpoint to that as well, which is you have to have the follow-up. You have to be able to actually go back in and show not only to the, to the managers or the people paying the bills, right, but show to the leaders themselves that they yeah. have changed and that this program has had an effect on how they're managing others. Yeah. You know, in the military, they do something called the climb, Climate Command Survey. And very f- like few times is that survey actually discussed at a wide like brief or what it with a wide group of people and corporations often do that the same they do something and then they don't tell the people not just why they're doing it but like the results of what we did besides man hours like saying that you put 15 hours into a training does does not say anything about its return on investment or its efficiency it just said that you spent 15 hours <laughs> so we have to be thinking about like how do i measure success And since I'm the facilitator of this program, I have my own definition of what success is. And then if somebody hires me, that leader will be very pushed to say, how do you define success? And we need to measure if that indicator is there three months after. So I have a a few teams that I'm I'm doing this out now. And, um, you know, that then helps me perform better and do it's a constant process improvement. And you're infusing that value also in the teams that you um, have take this program. So it's a it's a comprehensive organizational development program, right? It doesn't just develop the individuals; it develops the organization. Yeah, and that I mean that communication piece is so important, right? Why you're doing this, what you're learning from it, continuing to discuss it. I uh, I'll never forget. I learned this uh, lesson when I was in the military. Uh, my first deployment, I was a junior officer, and I was we chartered a plane for the whole unit to go overseas, and I was in the back with the normal people, and all the high-ranking officers are up front in. first class. And everyone in the back is disgruntled, right? It's not fair. It sucks. The second time I went back to Afghanistan, I was up in the front with the senior officers, except this time I realized once we got on the ground, you know, all the soldiers went to go set up their rooms and sleep for 24 hours. I went to work for 72 hours. And it just clicked in my brain. And I was like, if that was just explained, you know, if the the high-ranking commander went to the back and explained that to everyone in the back, that like, these people are up here sleeping so they can go to work as soon as we land, I think it would have made such a difference. And for me, that really changed kind of the way that I was leading during that, you know, during that deployment at war that was just like, communicate, right? It's not, not about justification. It's not about, you know, giving everyone a vote in that situation. Of course it wasn't, but it was just about, here's why we're doing this. Now you understand it. And everyone seems to just get on board so much more easily. Absolutely. And we forget to communicate the things that come natural for us because we think that everybody else is thinking our thoughts. Like, of course, this is, of course, we don't have to explain it. The other thing I find too, and this translates into managers, leaders, parents, myself as an entrepreneur, is that you have to communicate that more than once. Because if this leader came back and said, hey, this is why we're doing what we're doing it, and half the people are watching a movie, chit-chatting on their phones, they're not going to hear that message, 
right? And you can't expect that just because you deliver a message means it's received. I just sent out like this party invitation for something that's a you know it's a big celebration. I'm going to pay for a caterer and dancing, and I sent it out. And then I had coffee with one of my really good friends this weekend, and she's like, "What do you mean you're having a party?" I was like, "I sent the email." <laughs> And so the point is, is that in a culture, if you have something that you're trying to accomplish and you have a change project, any change that you're trying to bring about or a misunderstanding that you're trying to repair or clean up, you have to over communicate the five W's over and over and over again. Uh, And probably more than you think is necessary because not everybody's at the same place that you are. And I am frequently failing in that message. At a personal level, I mess up at that. At a professional level, I need to explain something over and over again. Um, But it's absolutely critical to the success of your relationships. Yeah, and the one point that you made, I just want to reemphasize this. You know, I'm finding the same thing as I'm mentoring, you know, young leaders and that it's you don't realize how you come off to people. No things that seem so obvious to you, you know, yeah. nobody else is thinking. I love how you said it. Nobody else is thinking your thoughts. And so it's that's one of those I think, you know, levels of maturity and leaders and emotional intelligence is just getting to the point where you realize that you have to over-communicate and re-communicate and ask your people for feedback on how they are receiving it. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, I've talked to so many leaders that are like, no, I'm an open book. My people can come up to me anytime. And I'm like, you think you're communicating that to them, but do they know, you know, that they're allowed to dissent in a meeting or they're allowed to express a different opinion? Because yeah. if they're not doing it, they probably don't know that because there's no way everyone has the same opinion in your meetings. Yes. Great point. You know, there are some leaders out there listening who don't actually need to over communicate. Those are the ones that probably need to shut up. Right? <laughs> Good point. So I, I just want to say like, sometimes like this is not a formula. This is why it's nice to have a coach or somebody else from the outside that's not in the rating chain and don't have skin in the game in terms of, you know, the results to really come back and say, Hey, this message that I just said, this over communication thing, that's not for you. Extroverted, driven, pace setter, model leader. You need to listen more and listen, not to get something, just listen to understand and under communicate. That person needs a message. Like maybe you're under communicating and that's why you think everybody around you is so lazy and not doing anything and not communicating back with you. Right. So understanding that leadership isn't, you know, a formula. Leadership is a moment by moment integrity issue of your character and how competent are you at understanding your own, you know, tendencies just like that and flaws and strengths and really understanding others. And that takes, I don't know, that takes a lot of effort intentional effort it's work that is for sure you know people so often i think leaders want to judge themselves or others based on amount of experience you know kind of like you said the technical skills the amount of experience but the leader you know someone can be a junior leader and have put more intentional thought behind why they lead and how they lead and how they deal with their people and that person has a far better leader than you know, someone else who's been doing it for 20 years, but without that sort of intentional practice behind it. 
Right. I absolutely believe that's why we need mentoring relationships and diversification. That doesn't mean the unexperienced is the one receiving mentorship. I know a lot of seasoned executive older leaders that actually need to be coached by younger people. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we so often find too that mentorship goes both ways. So when you're just because it's a, I think a relationship where there's a coach, someone is designated as the coach and someone else is designated as the person being coached, you can still learn from each other. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't decide to do this field because like I'm an expert in it. I did it because I like continuously want a platform for my own growth and conscious awakening and service. And I find myself equally served in in my relationships with other people. And when I don't feel that way, when I feel like I'm undergiving or overgiving, it it requires kind of like other people to help me move to a space of balance with it. Um, but most people, including leaders, you know, they, they receive a lot from their uh, relationships. And so, and if you're not, if you're out there and you're listening to the podcast and you're like, that's just not me, I'm burnt out. I have lost my passion or fire. Like it's, it really is time to speak up about that because there are quick and easy ways to find your energy leaks and to course correct and that and prevent you leaving an organization or profession. Yeah, for sure. So speaking about how you got into all of this, let's, let's talk about that. So you're a clinical psychologist. I believe you worked with children and parents. Then you wrote a book about love. Yeah. And now you are the executive shaman. Yeah. So t- tell us about that. Yes, very uh, big, wide journey. You know, in my kind of early 20s, I went to Harvard and I got a degree in education and how the mind develops and neuropsychology and brain development and how that really translates into learning. And after that, I went to seminary and got a degree in Christian leadership. And I worked really in community development at that time. How do you inspire people to join together in a collaborative way? Um, In a seminary setting, it's just, it's very similar to an organizational setting. There's wide diversification of views and what's right and what's not right. And I love that. And I was in charge of like parenting seminars and how to parent. And I then got my degree in clinical psychology, and somehow I ended up at um, Madigan Army Medical Center, where I did my fellowship in developmental pediatrics and psychology. And really, my training has always been in an assessment and evaluation, and then aspiring parents to parent in a way that is developmentally thriving and sound. And when I went overseas to work on this, I started a radio show and then teaching and training and facilitating and that really I was identified and developed myself from some awesome commanders who professionally saw talent and asked me to step into the organizational development role where I've been and now um, that I've left government service I started my own business and uh, you know just round out my resume I thought I should throw in love And so I studied this and roped my friends into it. And uh, the point is that we all, uh, we all want to love. Love is about how we work and that work doesn't finish, 
you know, in the daytime, we go home and we need to be leaders in our home life, in our personal lives. So the book really speaks about how to love from your core and understand the core of other people and connect in a way that is synergistic. It's not that big of a departure from from creating communities or, or organizing the development of a culture. Yeah, you know, I heard a quote once. I don't remember where it was from, but it's that leadership is love. And, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds weird. It's one of those quotes. The first time you hear it, you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. But the more you think about it, the more it's true. And that's really what I get from your book and, you know, hearing you talk about. So the letter code, if I understand it correctly, it's based on a couple of letters and the way that the shapes are made describe sort of your personality type, which then, of course, translates to your leadership type and what you need yeah. and how you communicate and then how you in turn deal with what other people need. Yeah. And so, of course, it's, you know, describe it that way. It's leadership. It's leadership um, in your love. If you don't love what you do and you're just there, you know, and you're like hanging out, which we've got a population of people in our workforce, which that's okay, then it's not going to translate into your work life. But if you're the type of person that works and you love what you do or you want to love what you do, it's helpful for you to kind of, you know, figure out who you are at your core in that in that area. And also it's something that I really struggled with, you know, I really struggled with feeling competent and confident and clear in how I articulate what I need to another human being. And uh, I was really fortunate just to observe and have lots of opportunities to edit this and to express it and um, the way I did. So it's kind of, it's really vulnerable to be honest. <laughs> it's vulnerable to talk about the book, which is not really what I want to do for a living is I don't want to do couples stuff or anything, but I do want to give people tools that help them live a more vibrant, efficient and meaningful existence here on this planet while we're, while we're present. Well, and speaking of, you know, culture at a larger level are, you know, my generation of millennials, like speaking about loving what you do, this is, we're sort of redefining this and that will take, you know, I left a job making good money to pursue my own path and do something that I love. And I know plenty of other people that are doing the same thing, right? That'll work for half or even a third of what they could be making out on the job market because it's a in a culture that they love or it's in a field that they love. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a whole slew of people sort of reinventing themselves at age 30 or 35 now because yeah. they want to do something that they love. So I think your your book and your teaching is just so timely right now for the shift that is going on in yeah. work I culture. Love, I love what millennials bring because it's not like Generation Xers or uh, the baby boomers don't feel this. It's just they weren't talking about it. And if you think about, again, communication is the relationship, they're actually inspiring baby boomers to be like, what is my passion? And I'm having this like leader conference in the Olympic Peninsula this summer. It's just two days to really figure out like, what is my passion and purpose? And how am I like misfiring in a way that pushes people away? And how can I align it more in a way that draws more followership and inspires other people back when I go to work or when I transition to the next thing. And most people don't get the opportunity to like talk about it so much, but millennials have raised our standards. If you are leading anybody that's under the age of 30, you better believe that they want some fire 
and the culture. They want some reason that they are devoting themselves to you. And they will. They will devote, but you better bring it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, one, one last plug I can give for millennials is that, yes, they want you to develop them as leaders, but they also are willing to go develop themselves as leaders, you know, and I'm seeing a lot of that too. A lot of people saying, what can we do on our own to develop, um, which is, again, just an amazing time right now. But on that note, this has been such a great conversation and we're just about out of time. So Dr. White, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you on social media? You know, first, I love Instagram. I didn't think I would love it, but now I just love it. It's a daily habit for me. I have a couple disciplines, and one is like meditation in the morning and coffee and movement. And this other is like looking on Instagram for things that are inspiring. So you can find me at Dr. Crystal White, just my name. Uh, and of course, I would love people to check out theexecutiveshaman.com. There's a podcast you can look. It's available on iTunes and Spotify, The Executive Shaman Podcast. And you know, if you want more interaction with me, Instagram and downloading and or subscribing to the newsletter at theexecutiveshaman.com, you should be good to go. Yes, perfect. So that is Crystal with a K and all of her links will be available on the show notes. I really encourage you guys to check her out, check out her website. You know, she's got a book. She does all of these super interesting things. I don't have to tell you listeners, she's incredibly impressive because you just heard her speak. But she has a lot of fun things. I heard her talk about wanting to do a seminar of blending wine and talking about yeah. cultural diversity, which yeah. is amazing. Um, so super fun, super awesome. She's one to watch. So uh, get online, follow her. And uh, that being said, Dr. White, what is one last 20-second piece of advice or knowledge you can give for our listeners? Connect. I really am thankful for our connection. You know, when you meet somebody, you don't know really where it's going to go. But when you find somebody, it just clicks with and makes you feel both okay with being crummy and then also awesome with being awesome. Just connect more and and take the step out it, that that connection requires. Just connect. You heard it here. Well, thank you so much. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kavnis HR Culture Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Kavnis HR. Also check out our weekly live streams at the Kavnis HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasonkavnis at kavnishr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day.